Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is an apostrophe podcast production. Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. final frontier for some, but the beginning of Rod Faulkner's journey out of loneliness. In Rod's inner space, he was alone in a universe. Nothing in his world resembled his reality. The images he saw on television as a child growing up in the 70s in the American South were Black characters as maids, butlers, or doing other menial, subservient jobs. Then a channel turned, and he saw a different space, a spaceship, one that was peopled by a crew from all different nationalities and ethnicities. And they were on the command staff of that spaceship, not cleaning up, not serving meals. What I realized is that I couldn't articulate really what attracted me to the show as a young boy, but as I got older, I realized that speculative fiction like science fiction, ask, what if? And what if opens up a whole lot of possibilities to be explored. That speculation had Rod Faulkner's and others like him, alone and lonely in this world, to think. What if there was a whole other universe of possibilities out there? And what was waiting to be explored 
or connections to other lives and even other species. Rod Faulkner wasn't seeking new life, new civilizations. He was just one man trying to figure out his place in the world. Science fiction made him bold about being who he was at the present. And that present was imagining a future world where people looked like him, and they also had thoughts and hopes that in a world where there was infinite diversity, there was infinite combinations. And one of those infinite possibilities would lead to a less lonely existence and signs of life that we weren't alone. Science fiction opens up a window for many of us fans to explore territory we never knew before. And when we head into that unknown, we leave behind that sense of loneliness. So let's explore what it's like to be a bit of an alone alien in our own outer space. Rod Faulkner's love of science fiction came after he first read the Chronicles of Narnia as a young child. He learned that children could find a voice and take control of their lives, come into power. For the powerless, those who thought they had no voice, like a lonely child who felt disconnected to everything around him, it was a whole new unexplored world to discover. What I hoped with Narnia, what it represented it to me was just boundless opportunity that you could have adventure and you could be instrumental in shaping your own destiny and not be held back by societal prejudices and discriminatory types of attitudes. Star Trek was groundbreaking for Rod Faulkner when he first saw the series, which ran from September the 8th, 1966 to June 3rd, 1969. Here's an interesting side note. The first people on Earth to ever watch a Star Trek episode were Canadians. Canadian viewers tuning in on September the 6th on CTV saw the first episode two days before Americans watching on NBC. That first episode of Star Trek that ever aired is, Rod and I both believe, one of the loneliest episodes of science fiction we've ever seen. The story is about a routine visit from the Enterprise to a planet where Professor Crater and his wife Nancy Crater lived. The Enterprise crew was there for a required medical checkup of the two inhabitants. But Starfleet's arrival on the planet was not welcome. Professor Crater had formed a symbiotic relationship with the creature who had killed his wife years earlier and then assumed his wife's form, a shapeshifter. It was able to take on whatever image is relevant to the person seeing the creature. This thing became to Crater and others who saw the creature, the wife, the object of desire, best friend, wise man, fool, idol, slave. It isn't a bad life, as Captain James Kirk says, to have everyone in the universe at your beck and call, and you win all the arguments. On that planet, when it was just one person and a thing that changed to whatever the person wanted, a private heaven was created. What would we do in order to have that private heaven, 
that universe of our own creation. It could lead to, as in Rod Faulkner's case, the beginning. He loved Star Trek, became captivated by it because he saw on the command deck every week the bridge officer, Lieutenant Uhura, played by actor Nichelle Nichols. And then, as a 10-year-old, Rod went to see the second chapter in Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and discovered the character Lando Calrissian. And even then, at that young age, I started to think, okay, we haven't seen any Black people in Star Wars until Billy D. Williams, and afterward, he was really the only representation in the film. Why is that? How come we don't see more of a mix of people? In our separate world, Rod in the American South, and me growing up in Canada, we watch these lone characters, Sulu, Vulcan, Uhura, and we both wondered the same thing. Why is there only one of each? Why is there just one Black character in those universes? Lando Calrissian in Star Wars and Lieutenant Uhura in Star Trek. Chekhov was the only Russian, Sulu the only Asian, unless you counted Spock, who was called obviously Chinese during an episode on Earth when they traveled back in time to the 1930s. Spock's ears were explained as the unfortunate accident he had with a mechanical rice picker. He was seen as so unusual that his existence and his appearance needed to be justified. Even as a child watching that, it made me wonder, were other races that unusual on Earth that there needed to be a story in order to explain why someone looked different? When there's just one of each, what does that tell us? I think it tells us that we belonged somewhere and that even alone, there was a place for us in the universe. Loneliness is really one of the topics that science fiction, including Star Trek, really tackles. And it tackles it in a multi-pronged approach. Now, for Star Trek, in my opinion, now someone else may have a different interpretation of it, I think that the mission of Starfleet in the show of why these human beings and aliens on this spaceship are exploring the unknown is because as human beings, we have a visceral need to find out if we are alone in the universe. And that is an existential question that we still ask ourselves and in science fiction. What is out there and are we alone? If we're not, then how can we find and discover new life? Loneliness is anchored in the themes of science fiction. One of the first science fiction novels ever written, some believe, is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. She was only 18 when she began writing the story. It's the story of a creature created from science who wanders in search of someone just like it. Much of science fiction ever since has been anchored in mythologies of the last person remaining, or a group of wanderers who have been cast into space, or left to find some way to survive on a planet in the future. Professor Sean Redman, a science fiction expert at Deakin University in Australia, says that mantra of the world almost ending and just one person left has a particular resonance for anyone who feels alone in the world. 
And I suppose that, that you know, the, the idea of extinction, of the crisis of catastrophe is both pleasurable and dreadful at the same time. And I think science fiction, not always, but often puts those two conundrums together, like this dreadful sense of the end, which terrifies us. But somehow at the same time, there's a pleasurable spectacle that one watches. With The Last Man, or, or, and it can be The Last Woman, of course, as science fiction has sort of re-engineered its imaginations. Their aloneness is our aloneness. The last person or surviving group remaining among the ruins of what was once there is compelling for us, Professor Redmond says, because when we're feeling alone, we are connected to others who are on their own. Visually, those images from movies of the lone star, desolate planets, the vast emptiness of space, captures visually the corridors and vectors of galaxies and interplanetary systems. Those images tell us that there are others who are also lonely in the universe. It can offer ways and means, narratively, so to speak, to not only understand the modern condition of loneliness, but to see beyond it or through it. What science fiction offers, Professor Redman and Rod Faulkner believe, is a way to see loneliness. It's the single planet, the last person alive, the solo person representing your race on a command ship, and then venturing forward into even a deeper galaxy where there may be others. One of Professor Redmond's favorite films of all time is Blade Runner, and the city that serves as a setting is as lonely as the inhabitants who live there. The acid rain falls relentlessly in the city, where billboards appeal directly to people. There's little interaction among the city dwellers because of the constant fear and paranoia. In this world, it's humans who are the ones devoid of emotions, while the replicants show love and care for each other. Deckard, the main character, who is possibly human, possibly android, is a lonely man. Remember, loneliness may be some back, back to that, that conundrum of mine, which is not all loneliness is necessarily bad. You know, that aloneness isn't necessarily the uh, thing that we should escape from or run away from. And perhaps then that's what's profoundly interesting about science fiction is that it's complex and messy in relation to the, uh, the conditions of loneliness. What science fiction has done, Professor Redmond says, it has offered ways and means narratively to not only understand modern loneliness, but to see beyond it or through it. And we'll be right back. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One of my favorite short stories of all time is a science fiction piece by Theodore Sturgeon. A Saucer of Loneliness was first published in 1953. It was the era of the Red Scare in the U.S. A zealous FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, and Republican Senator Joseph McCarthy relentlessly pursued anyone who had any leanings towards communism. The question asked during the congressional hearings by the House Un-American Activities Committee was, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Those themes are in the Theodore Sturgeon story. An alien saucer appears over Central Park and targets one young woman in front of everyone else, sending her a message directly. When questioned by the authorities and by the press to reveal what the saucer said to her, the woman refuses to say. She's thrown in jail, but still won't reveal what she learned, saying only that it was private and meant for her alone. The accusations mount. She's a traitor, a spy, and betraying her own kind if aliens are plotting an attack on Earth. When that doesn't convince her, the authorities try another tactic— She should tell what she knows so America has the advantage over other countries when the aliens attack. The authorities tell her first to be loyal to her own planet and then appeals to her to stand with the U.S. and leave other countries at a disadvantage when the aliens arrive. Alone, with no one to talk to, the woman writes notes and puts them in bottles, tossing the messages out to sea. There is, in certain living souls, a quality of loneliness unspeakable, so great it must be shared, as company is shared by lesser beings. Such a loneliness is mine, the note says. Each time she throws out a bottle with the message into the sea, out goes a part of her loneliness. The alien saucer was a message in a bottle, and it crossed an even bigger ocean, all of space, to find what it was looking for. And what the saucer of loneliness knew was there was not much chance of finding anybody. We don't know what loneliness is like, the woman says. The story's meaning was that in the universe, there was one other being that was even lonelier than you. Science fiction does this through pointing out how alone we are, even with each other, and not just in the universe. There is a possibility that our loneliness is just one among many 
in a whole galaxy. Professor Sean Redman at Deakin University says science fiction often portrays a postmodern, dire, and lonely world where one person or group are alone. But science fiction books and movies also often show a utopian world beyond that. And to get to that joyous world, Professor Redman says, it presents a picture of the future that has not yet happened, but the glimpses of it are issues that have started to be part of our present day. It's about things that have not yet happened. What allows it to get away with, with quite difficult conversations, with quite radical interpretations and criticisms of, of the world that we live in. Some of those topics include genetic engineering, climate disasters, artificial intelligence. In Minority Report, the novella by Philip K. Dick, and the movie and television show of the same name, the issue is about determination and free will, authority and autonomy. Is our life already predetermined? Just because artificial intelligence, called precogs, predict that we will commit a crime, does that mean we are destined to do it? Science fiction tackles important issues about what may happen if we don't face those concerns and prejudices now. What does it tell us about the human condition? Well, again, I, I don't think necessarily it would be singular, like there's a single human condition, but it, it does show us sort of the reaches of patriarchy and, and power of what global capitalism might be doing to the planet and to people. It also shows us the ravages of ethnicity and race conflict through its metaphors and allusions and allegories in science fiction. The Borg Collective in Star Trek The Next Generation is highly efficient and makes decisions as a single entity. This totalitarian regime adapts quickly to any threats, but they're utterly without mercy or compassion as they take the technology and the culture of others and absorb it into their collective. Resistance is futile. But resistance also raises a question about the Borg, according to fan Rod Faulkner. I don't think the Borg even has a conception of what loneliness is. So it actually poses a question, is loneliness and other emotions that we recognize as human beings, are they universal? Over and over again, science fiction uses what is happening now and projects it into the future. If we don't address isolation and loneliness, what might happen in the near future and in the far future, asked Professor Redman. What is it that we might become if only we did X, Y, and Z? I, I think that's its power and its potential. It's a question that is thrown back to the viewer and the reader, asking us to reflect upon and think about what it means to be us at this time. What separates us from reaching that utopia? And what holds us back and moves us towards a lonely future? The rise of science fiction in the 1960s was rooted in that reflection and in fear that there was no bright future on Earth. But there might be one if we looked beyond our own world. Growing up around that time, Tony Tolado, born in Cuba before he and his family immigrated to the United States, said there were many people in his generation who straddled two worlds and cultures, kind of like Spock in Star Trek. The youth in America at the time was trying to discover who they were, what their voice was. And it went far beyond the protest. They were just trying to figure out, you know, what they were going to be. 
For the longest time, science fiction was for a select group. The outcast, Tony says, those who saw things a little differently than anyone else. Those who dared to dream a little bit more. It was dreamers who created Star Trek communicators. And Tony traces the cell phones we use to something that came out of the imagination of someone. Author Jules Verne speculated about submarines before they were even possible. Things like that, it was a great predictor of things to come. But also, it really kind of touches, I think, the soul of people and also, you know, the conscience. I think it helps us to understand who we are, where we are, and where we're going. And then if things are not going in the right direction, what we might need to do so that it goes in the right direction. When Rod Faulkner's television screen showed up with images he had never seen before in his life of a setting that he could never imagine, a starship enterprise, his imagination soared. For the first time, he saw a black woman in a position of authority and power, surrounded by other people of various ethnicities. Space is incomprehensibly vast, and that idea attracts us and also intimidates us. We want to explore space in order to find out, are we truly alone? To answer that, our own internal struggles with loneliness are reflected back at us. In science fiction, the impetus behind many of the most popular protagonists is there is a sense of loneliness, but also a love of adventure. That there's something out there for us. We just have to go find it. That's what Rod Faulkner believes. Science fiction provides Tony Palladio with hope that today's problems, loneliness, can be solved in the future. We can be better than ourselves. The philosophy in Star Trek is we can live together and work together, many different races and nationalities. And eventually, when we do go to the stars and meet other civilizations out there, we're kind and we're open, and we won't make the same mistakes that we made here on Earth. There is hope in science fiction that at the end of the post-apocalyptic future, beyond that, beyond loneliness, new life emerges even if it's not the life we know. In a universe as vast as ours, seeking bolder worlds can mean just recognizing that we have more in common than the differences that divide us. And the question that connects us to each other, are we alone in the universe? We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. The theme music was composed by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. The sound engineer is Jeff Devine. Producers for the show are Debbie O'Reilly and Guillermo Serrano. I'm Peg Fong, the host and writer of Alone Together. The moon orbits the Earth once every 27.33 days. You can listen to this episode in about 27 minutes. No spaceship needed. Rate and review us wherever you get your space pods. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. 
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.